0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Hey dear Father, we really want to thank you for you have brought your word into the world through uh, through using puny people like ourselves. And we thank you so much for the faithful ministry of Joshua and Karen over the years and how they've continued to stand firm in the gospel to preach your word faithfully year in, year out, in season, and out of season. Uh, We thank you that today he can join us and that he can bring to us your word in the book of 3 John. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We can have 3 John open. That would be of uh, great help and also the outline uh, to follow uh, this talk. What gives parents joy? I remember my son in under six soccer got his first ever goal. He was dribbled past people and then he did this shot that just curved away from the goalkeeper just into the corner of the goalpost. And I went, yes! And then I remembered I was actually the referee. And so I thought, oh, no, it's okay. But, but it was actually a legitimate goal. The joy. Perhaps it's not sport. Perhaps it's academics. Perhaps you've heard the story of uh, the Asian mother who uh, really was keen for her daughter to do very well, but the daughter came back with a B. And the mother says, how can you come back with a B? You're not b you're Asian. <laughs> we take joy in the academic success of our children. And then work, and then further success. What is it that gives you joy in your children? For some parents, it's not actually those kind of things, but just the relationship, right? The tears you can share together, the joys, the happiness you can share together, the concern, the reciprocated love. That's what gives parents joy. Now, even if you're not a parent, you know what gives parents joy because you're children who have and are trying to give your parents joy. <laughs> what is it that gives this John who writes this letter joy joy? In his children. We'll have a look at verse four. Verse four. These are not, of course, his real natural children, but his spiritual children. Look at verse four. It gave me great joy when some believers, verse three, came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. He's the Apostle John, most likely the Apostle John, because he doesn't have to identify himself. He just calls himself the elder, They're known. He's well known to the church. It's like when you phone up someone, say, "Hey, it's me," right? Everyone knows it's you. The elder here writes to this church, a church that he's been to before, a church that has told him uh, about what's happened to this friend, this person, Gaius, who's also a member of the church. And this person, Gaius, is one of the children, one of the spiritual children of the Apostle John. And so John writes, It gives me no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. What does it mean for them to walk in the truth? How does he have great joy over this Gaius, this the person he's writing to, how does he have joy? What does it mean in the truth? It's not just joy in terms of a relationship with someone that you know well. It's a joy that's based around the truth of the gospel. We've been going through 1 John, I hear, and the truth is often and often and again and again Jesus himself. Look at the end of 1 John. Look at how John summarizes what he's been talking about throughout the whole letter. Coming up on the screen. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ. He's the true God and eternal life. See, the truth is bound up in the person of Jesus. He actually is the true one. He actually is the one who can only, and the only one who can give us eternal life. That is the truth. And so, as John writes to this individual Gaius, he writes, I have joy in you because of this truth. Uh, Andrew mentioned that um, I was around when uh, he first became a Christian. Actually, uh, back in 1988, when I first started working at the university, my predecessor gave me a list of people to uh, look after, and he came across, uh, oh, this person, Andrew, oh, oh, don't worry about him. He's not really interested. He's just a churchgoer and comes along every now and then. But then Andrew started coming along. Uh, in fact, uh, later on, uh, Cheryl came along. Uh, I actually had the um, uh, privilege of actually, uh, we would do walk up at university, go up to strangers and talk to them. And myself and uh, one other lady, we were walking up and we approached Cheryl as she was sitting down having her lunch. And we asked, do you want to hear about Jesus? And she said, no, thank you. <laughs> That's my first memory of Cheryl. <laughs> later on, she had a, a, a teacher who said to her, look, you know, you got everything. Good family, good looks, good brains, but one thing you don't have. You don't have a spiritual side. So she felt a bit, you know, left out in you know, a kiasu, you know, limiting a spiritual side. And so she came along to our group as well, and, and Andrew and Cheryl together found Jesus. Now, in my whole relationship with Andrew and Cheryl, it's always been around Jesus, around the Christ, around this truth. This is the truth that binds John and Gaius together. What has happened is that people uh, from the church has uh, gone and told uh, John about what's been happening to this Gaius. And John has heard about what has happened and said, Hey, not only has Gaius started well, he's kept on going well in the truth. And so you see in uh, in there in verse uh, one, two, verse two, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that you may it all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, how you continue to walk in the truth. See, this is warmth between uh, the two, uh, a warmth where you know you wish that they be not just um you know good spiritually, but good in terms of their health as well. There's this warmth. You always want your children to be uh, healthy and going well, and and you hear that they are going well not only in their health, but also spiritually. No greater joy. The gayest has continued in this truth. Uh, over the years, um, uh, I saw Andrew give his uh, first talk I'm sure Andrew may remember this first talk because as he was getting up a little bit shaky in the front of the the lecture theatre, a mouse got up behind him and ran across the stage. And Andrew said, oh, well, I guess it'll have to happen to me, you know, something like this. And then I heard that he continued to be here and to teach the Bible. I heard that uh, one day he was preparing a talk on Matthew and he'd read up this commentary by uh, Professor Don Carson and, uh, and he actually disagreed with Professor Don Carson on something. But anyway, he came up and gave the talk and he was about to get up and, and then he looked down the front row and there was Professor Don Carson sitting in the front row. I don't know what was worse, the mouse or Don Carson? <laughs> It's great to hear of people you know growing and continuing in the truth. And so that's what's happened to John and Gaius. But in what sense does Gaius continue to walk in the truth? Yes, it's about Jesus. Yes, it's about his commitment to Jesus. Is it about you know, him telling people about Jesus? What is it in particular in this letter does it mean to walk in the truth? We'll have a look at verse five onwards. Very important to look at the context to see what the particular meaning is. Verse five, dear friends, you're faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they're strangers to you. They've told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that is uh, a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. What is it to walk in the truth? What is it that Gaius has done and continue to do? It's not so much just believing in Jesus, not so much telling people about Jesus, but supporting those who tell others about Jesus. It's about hospitality there, you see, in verse uh, 8. As you're hospitable to missionaries, hospitable to those who are itinerant preachers, hospitable to those who come through their town preaching the name of Jesus. Even though some of them were strangers to Gaius, he looked after them, provided for them, and sent them on their way. Notice in verse 7, it's especially because these people were preaching the name. They went out for the sake of the name in verse 7, the name of Christ. And so as you support such mysteries, you're actually part of the mission. And so at the end of that paragraph there, they work together for the truth. You are partners in this task. Very important, friends, for us to gain from this, that it is important for us to give the gospel without charge to those who do not yet know Jesus. We shouldn't charge people in order to um, hear about Jesus. The gospel is free, and so we shouldn't charge people. So who would be the ones who would support the gospel proclaimers? It is the Christian people. In fact, it says there that they do not ask non-Christians for money. That is, they are those who receive no help, verse 7, from the pagans, but rather from those who are God's people. Now, it's great that we can uh, give money to all kinds of um, good works around the world, but we've got to keep remembering that it's only the Christians who really will give the money to gospel work. And it's our responsibility. Notice there, we ought, in verse um, 8, we ought to be those who show hospitality. It is our duty, our responsibility. But not just a duty, it's a great privilege. Well, at the end of the paragraph there, end of verse 8, we may actually work together for the truth. Uh, It's great to hear, I've heard over the last week, how uh, BTPC here have supported mission. Uh, Every month or so you go down to Indonesia, to Batam. Uh, Later on, uh, I hear you go to Vietnam on a mission. Even if you don't go, but you give uh, money to support the uh, people who go, you're part of this whole mission team. The gospel is going out. It's great to hear that. And so, that's what it means here, to walk in the truth. And that is what gives John the Apostle great joy. But then, there's someone else, also in the church, perhaps also a leader, not only Gaius, one of the leaders, but someone else who's uh, quite up there in in power, maybe in one of the committees, or one of the um, perhaps elders, or something like that who is not of great joy to John. Look at verse 9. I wrote to the church, he says. Now, this is not the first letter that John has written to these people. I wrote to the church earlier, but the atrophies. Now, if you're looking for a name for your son, or your third or fourth son, you have David, you have Daniel already, you want to look for another deed, this is not one. Theotrophies, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. That is, he's someone who actually rejects John himself, John the apostle himself. He's rejecting the message of God's chosen, Jesus' chosen delegate, the apostles. He's not only against The mission is against the gospel message, the apostolic message, against the apostles themselves. In fact, in verse 10, he speaks malicious nonsense about the apostles. And not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. So he's some power play there in the church, and he makes sure that other visiting speakers, visiting believers are not welcomed. And that if there are people in the church who does welcome those missionaries, what does he do in the end of verse 10? He stops them, and he puts them out of the church. That is sometimes there are people in power in churches who are just about themselves. They're about self-promotion. That is all that they care about uh back in uh australia there's lots of uh, chinese churches and often you hear of uh, church plants but if when you dig down and listen to the story of what actually happened it wasn't a church plant it was actually a church split and the church split often is not over you know real uh differences of uh teaching necessarily but just over personality when one person doesn't like another person and that person wanted to be the first one and the most important and they divide over this and they divide over that. Self-promotion. Be, beware of churches where there are people who have such power. Such power they can influence others and even make them stop to welcome others. Such power people can actually exclude, excommunicate Others, just because they don't agree with what the boss says. Theotrophies is such a man who does not give John joy. But notice, it's not just self-promotion. Because he's actually refusing John himself, he's actually rejecting the apostles, rejecting the apostolic teaching. That is, in this case, they're actually going against the Bible itself. John's not amongst us anymore. There are no apostles anymore in our day. Where do we find the authority of what is true? It is in the Word of God. That's where we have the one access to what Jesus said and taught. And so this Diatrephes ultimately is against God's revelation through the apostles. He refuses the very truth of God. And so in this case, here in this church, it is something very, very serious. And so John says, when I come, I'm going to call him out. You see it in verse 10. When I come, I'll call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us, the apostles. Friends, for us, it's very important to hold on to the apostles' teaching. And those who are rejected, those who put themselves as an authority over the Bible, we need to be very, very careful against. So this Theotrephes rejects the apostles' authority and then therefore refuses fellowship with those who would come and bring the gospel message. He shuts them. Out of the church, if any, would welcome the gospel. Well, there is one command that John still gives Gaius, and that is in verse 11. Dear friend, again, the warmthness of this letter, and yet amongst the warmthness is this very strong and urgent command. Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. If all you had was that verse, then you think, oh, what does it mean? It could mean a whole lot of things. But in the flow of the letter, it is very clear what it means. What is it that is evil? Well, he's just spoken about it in verse 9 and 10. To follow diotrophies, that would be what is evil. To go against the Bible's teaching, to go against the mission of the gospel, that will be what is evil. And what is good? Well, verse 12. Here's another D, right? Looking for a name, right? Use this one. Not Diotrephes, but Demetrius. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We, we the apostles, also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. That's what John keeps on saying. That we have the truth. Uh, we are the apostles. Demetrius is someone who has done what is good. Now, we don't know exactly what he has done, but likely he's someone who is well spoken of by everyone, just like Gaius has been well spoken of by the church. That is, what is good is to welcome the gospel message and to welcome the advance of the gospel message. And what is evil is to refuse that. And so, anyone who does what is good is from God. For God is the one who sent his son that we may be saved. John 3.16. Anyone who does what is evil, that is reject the gospel message and not allow and not support people supporting and proclaiming the gospel message, well that is doing what is evil. And he hasn't seen God. He hasn't even understood what God is about. For God is about the coming in of Jesus and saving the world. And so what that leaves us with, point four, is gospel shaped joy. Three things we can take away from this passage. Firstly, that truth matters. Truth matters. 1 John chapter 5 verse 20, if we can have that slide again, 1 John chapter 5 verse 20. Truth is something that is bound up in Jesus, for He's the one who is true. You've got to understand this truth. We are those who are in Him who is true. He's the only one who can give us eternal life. That truth matters. friends more and more our society is opposing that truth about jesus there are many who would say sure uh, have a bit of jesus but you need more than jesus many who would sit above the bible And so, in the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope is the one who sits above the Bible. He is the one who is the authoritative interpreter of the Bible. No, no. The apostolic teaching, the Bible itself, that is the authority. Not any person who will sit above it and say he's the only true teacher. There are people who would say, well, the Bible is outdated. The Bible is old-fashioned. We need to move on now. We've had that in Australia. Australia in the last two years has voted that marriage is not only between a man and a woman, but between a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. We voted yes to what they call uh, marriage equality. In other words, what they've said is, God in his word doesn't really know what he's talking about. That is the you know, ancient, old-fashioned church tradition. We have now come a lot further. We are those who know really what marriage is about, and we can vote it in. And guess what? God didn't even get a vote. People sit above the word of God. And so now it's actually very hard in Australia to say anything against LGBT. You say anything against it, well, you're just you know, hating the homosexuals. You are just someone who's a Bible basher. You are someone they put themselves above the word of God. Fortunately, uh, here in Singapore, it's unlikely that's going to become too big an issue. But what takes over, I think, in Singapore is a gospel message where, again, other people want to interpret the Bible and say that their interpretation of the Bible is the one and only true one. The classic is, of course, the prosperity gospel, where people say, oh, yeah, Jesus is good, But also, you need something else. And what you need is to be prosperous. A famous one here in this city is your friend, maybe not a friend. Next slide, Mr. Joseph Prince, he wrote this book, Destined to Reign. In the first chapter, in the very introduction... He's very big on grace, right? God saves us by nothing that we do. Very good, very good. We get to heaven by nothing that we do. Oh, I thought, well, that's quite good. But then what he does is that he puts not only our salvation and going to heaven, but our being prosperous in this world, successful in this world, right there in the very core of what you will get if you believe in Jesus. I went along to his church a a couple of years ago, and, uh, you know, interesting sermon, and I didn't quite agree with everything, but then the Lord's Supper came around, and I thought, well, you know, at least uh, I should take the Lord's Supper, you know. They're fellow believers, aren't they? But my friend who took me along, it was the elements, the bread and the wine, were being passed along. He just folded up his hand. He wouldn't take it. I thought, "Mm, that's a bit strange. Anyway, I took the cup, I took the bread, But then when the leader at the front talked about what the Lord's Supper was, it was as though if I drank that cup, I would actually be drinking God's physical blessing of success, of more money, of more wealth and more health. I would actually be drinking that into my life. It's amazing. It actually has become part of the gospel message. Now, in the Bible, it's not wrong to desire health. I mean, even here, isn't it? Uh, John prays for Gaius. I prayed that uh, verse, uh, was it verse 3 there? Uh, um, this, uh, I'm getting blind. I really need some of that um, uh, health. Verse um, 2, yeah, there we are, verse 2, right? He prays that he may go well. Nothing wrong to desire it. But it's an altogether different thing when you demand it. When you say, God, you must give all this wealth and health to me because I've taken the Lord's Supper, because I've believed in Jesus, because I've prayed for it. In heaven, we will be prosperous, we will be all healthy, but that's in heaven, not now. And so these people sit over the Bible, give their own interpretation of the Bible and in the end distort the very message of the Gospel. Not just Joseph Prince, I'll just pick on him because he's a famous one, but any one of us can do that as well, can't we? If we let someone else interpret the Bible for us. And so it's very important, I keep on saying to people in my church, don't believe me when I say something. Right? Just because I'm a pastor. No, no. You guys, you gotta interpret the Bible. That's why we read the Bible beforehand. That's why we go look at it and, and question what I'm saying. The Bible sits over us, not us, over the Bible. We're the ones who have to be uh, looking at, spending time reading, marking, inwardly digesting the Word of God. Truth actually matters. But more than that, mission matters. The whole letter is about the support, walking in the truth, the support for the gospel message. That actually matters. For how can we believe a gospel about saving mankind and just be happy that we ourselves are saved and not care about the rest of mankind? What money do we give? What effort do we give? What time do we give? To support gospel mission. If my children, um you know, wanted some money for something, you know, to, uh, do a new course, you know, to, um, uh, get better at their soccer skill, I, I'd write the check, you know, to pay the money, no problem, right? It's like, oh good, for, for my kids. But what about if people want your time or money for supporting gospel work? Gaius is someone who has supported the believers in order that they may continue on in the gospel message. Uh, In our city, um, ECTA, uh, the new Bible college that's been started, and which uh, Andrew is one of the board members of, it's something that's just new. Uh, It needs your support. People go on to mission. And that needs your support. Christian ministry actually costs money. Free John is all about such practical support. But not only just giving your money, it's very easy sometimes just to give the money and then say, oh, I've done my bit. No, no, what you do at work, what you do uh, as you meet up with your family, what you do as you uh, talk to people in your university or school, as you seek to make Jesus known, you also can be engaged in that gospel message. And finally, joy matters. What we have our joy in actually matters. Do we have joy in those who we have somehow helped in order that they may grow to be Christians and even take the gospel further afield. Um, she's not here, because so I think she had to uh, go somewhere, but you know Koshuan, don't you? Uh, Koshuan had a, when she was younger, had an even younger uh, Sunday school kid called Daniel. And this Daniel was a very naughty kid. And um, after a while, she, you know, sort of gave up on Daniel. But apparently she kept on, you know, praying for Daniel. And then years later, she met Daniel in the MTR station. And Daniel recognized her. Daniel's very tall now. And Daniel came up to her and said, hey, I've actually become a Christian. In fact, I'm uh, in the process of studying at Bible college. And that gave Koshwan great joy that one of her spiritual children will actually be someone who's walking in the truth. Is that what gives us joy? What is it that actually really... Yes! What is it that really gives us joy? Sometimes... Of course, when our children do, do well, it gives us joy. But hopefully, it's when your children actually love Jesus. It's when your children actually seek to tell other people about Jesus. That should be what really gives us joy. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that we might be those... Who so love the gospel that we would want to support the gospel. That we will be people who give our time, our energy, our finances, that that message of the gospel may go forward to other people, to other places, to other lands. And we pray, Father, that we would so hold on to the truth of the gospel that we might be those who are not taken in by others who uh, claim to give the gospel message. Help us to be discerning. Help us to be able to know what your apostles have said as we understand your word. And so, Father, help us not to be those who imitate evil, but rather imitate what is good. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busyc.orgg.